How is everybody doing? So, first of all, it's such a beautiful thing that I can go straight from... <laughs> this is my office, that my wife can come in here, give a class, go out. I can come in now. It's absolutely amazing. Baruch Hashem, Hashem So, you know, we're dealing with now the hachanot, the real true hachanot, preparation before Elul, before Elul. It's a tremendous thing. Now, we're very blessed actually this time because we had an entire week where it was announced that Elul was coming to the time actually that Rosh Chodesh begins. And uh, because we have that extra time that we're aware, they used to talk about just the hearing, the Rav Soslanter said, just the hearing of the, the mention of the word Elul, of the month of Elul, it would strike a fear in the hearts of Jews. I think it's a very fascinating thing. You know, different communities, they, they in a sense, they relate to it in different ways. The Ashkenazim, they relate to one way, Sephardim in a different way. I know, I heard from my Rebbe, Rafael Per from Yeshiva uh, Farakwe. He said when he was in Lakewood, they, had, they actually had two Syrian boys that came from Syria straight that, that learned in Yeshiva in Lakewood. And they asked him, what's Elul like? What is the month of Elul like in Syria? And he said, this, one of the Syrian boys said, you're not going to be able to handle it. He says, no, no, tell us, we want to hear, we want to hear. He says, the Rav would get up, he would bring the entire Kehillah, the entire community together, and he would point out to each and every single person in the community what they're doing wrong. This person's cheating in business. That person's lying about this. This person's not faithful about that. Oh, very intense things. You have to do better. You have to be a better husband. You have to be a better son. And after, he would rip apart the entire community. At the end, he would say, the way, it was, the way I overheard it was, Miro Who wants to do teshuva? Who wants to do tshuva? And the entire kehillah would scream out, Ani! I want to do teshuva. I want to do and repent from my ways. Obviously, that's, you know, I don't think it would be too popular today to do something like that. I think it's a little bit more on the intense side. But the element is true. The element is that it calls us. It, it, it's calling out to us, saying, what do you want to be? Who do you want to be? We want to be something different. The way that we've been is not the way that we want to continue to be. That's just facts of life. So if, you, if, you, if I would tell you, of all the parashiot in the Torah, of all the different parashiot, of where we learn the idea of, of, of tshuva, you would say, listen, it could be this last week's parsha of Atay Yisrael. Now, the Jewish people, what does Hashem want from you? El Hashem, just to fear God. But if it's amazing. If I would tell you, in parsha today is one of the most, I would say, most foundational aspects of what tshuva is, you would say, aha, of course. I give you bracha ukala. The choice, the choice is very clear. Either choose good or choose bad. That's the idea of tshuva, being aware of, of, of our decisions. But no, I'll tell you, it goes even deeper than that. It goes actually in the, the entire episode, the entire parsha of the Ir Hanidachas, of the Ir Hanidachat. Now, what's the Ir Hanidachat? The Ir Hanidachat was a wayward city. That's the official term, the, the art school term. It's a wayward city that the majority of the city has turned towards Avodah Zarah, has started doing idol worship. That's a very fascinating thing. The Gemara says, it's, not, it's never happened before. But we just learn it because, you know, you want to learn more Torah, even if it's not necessarily practical. But the story goes that you have an entire city that everybody leans towards the or I'm sorry, the majority leans towards the And even if there's Tamidich HaChamim in the community, finished, destroyed. The entire community gets burnt. All of the property gets thrown into the, into the, into the town square, gets burnt up. Everything is destroyed. It's a fascinating thing. The Irani Adachat, completely, completely, we write it off 100%. Very similar to the Ben Mora, the wayward son who sins against his parents. Where we say, there's nothing. There's nothing here. We destroy him. We, take, we, we see already where he's going and we break it off. Which is a very scary thing. I mean, I mean is, that, is that true? That something can be 
have no potential. Possibly that's why the whole story, the whole episode, never never actually ended up happening. Largely because, is it possible to say that the entire community of the Jewish people is going to be so in majority to evil? Times where they lean towards evil. And do, but the Pintaliyid, the fact that a Jew, that Jews on a whole, on the meta level, on the, on the higher up level, they would turn to this? No, it can't be. So that's probably one of the reasons why. But if I would tell you it's in the parish of Ernidachas, the idea of tshuva, of, the, of actual repentance, where do we see that? If anything, I see the opposite. I see a community that's done terribly, terrible, terrible things. It's done horrible, horrible things, and they've been, they've been, they've been damned towards punishment, saying we are, we are going to destroy you. We're going to wipe you off the face of the planet. We're going to destroy you. That's not, where. So the question is, where do we see that specifically in the story of the of, of the parsha of Yerinidachas? So let's go. Let's continue a little bit. Exactly what that is. So the Rambam says something very interesting. The Rambam discussing the halachot of the process of how you actually come to the, the ruling that a city is considered and officially deemed to be a wayward city. So it's very interesting. The Gemara says that uh, they would first go to the community to see if they're actually continuing, if, if, they if they're actually doing Avodah Zarah or not, and they would warn them. They would do Hazhara. We have a concept in Halakha called Hazhara, we're warning. Any sort of punishment can only, can only be deemed to be actually actionable punishment, as in to say we'll carry out the punishment, only if there actually is a warning prior to that point. If there's no warning, then there's no actual punishment. Now you may be necessarily, um, uh, you may be deemed in a Shemayim as, as culpable, but in this world, the, 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 in the Bezdin Shalmata, we're not going to, de- not going to meet out punishment against such a city. So the idea is that we send out two, t- we send out Tamir Chacham to go to this town, to this community, to check it out, and to give them tshuva, and to give them azhara, to give them a warning about their actions that they need to do tshuva. Okay. So why does that matter? It matters number one, like you said, for the punishment. But secondly, the Rambam says we send two more Tamir Chachamim to warn them again. Now, if they do teshuva, if they actually, if the community itself actually does repent, I'm reading from the, 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 the words of the Rambam now, then it's, then it's considered okay. If they did teshuva, no problem. So the Rambam adds that in. The Gemara doesn't mention any, make any comment if they do teshuva. It doesn't make any comment as exactly what would happen if the community does teshuva. The Rambam adds this in. Very interesting as to why. There's no Mepharshim that really discuss about this. Only the Rambam adds in this phrase of mutav, then it's okay. The Mepharshim understand that we're talking about in a case where they already, in a sense, they already were warned. Where the community was warned that you're not allowed to do what you're about to do. You're not allowed to do Abu Razara. They were warned. And that once they already had the warning and then they did Teshuvah, it's still good. Meaning, it would make sense if they, before they were warned that they actually did tshuva, then in a sense we would take away whatever punishment that we were about to meet out because they, had, they, hadn't been, they, because they hadn't been warned yet. But here we're talking about a case, the Rambam, the Mepharshim understand the Rambam, that the Rambam is talking about a case even after they were warned and we've already reached the conclusion that we've, that we've classified this city as a full-on city of Irhanidacha, as being a full-on wayward city. So that's very interesting because... And this is what the Ravid asks. The Ravid, the Ravad against who always asks quite tremendous questions on the Rambam, has very strong things to say on the Rambam. The Ravid asks, wait a minute, where do we ever find this concept that if you already were, were classified in halacha as you broke Shabbat, you broke Shabbos, and Adam came along and told you you're not allowed to do it, where do we find that if I do tshuva after I've already been deemed as culpable for the, for the punishment, that all of a sudden the law 
the, the halacha, the, the, gzair, the gzair din already comes off of me. Where do we find such a thing? We don't find such a thing. It could be that the guy's being brought to Bezdin and he's screaming and crying and he's, he's already had Adam that said he broke Shabbos. And he already, and Bezdin already decided his, 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 his punishment is going to be Misa. And the guy's crying with all his heart and soul and we believe him. He's 100% right. He still would be brought to death. That's just facts of life. Facts of life for the halacha and the Bezdin, we don't take that into account. Why? Why do, so? But somehow the Rambam is suggesting over here that in a case where already he, when they were they were warned and already they were classified halakhically in the Gzardin that Bezin decided that this city is an Iranidachad that it's still tshuva would work even though it doesn't seem to fit with any other case and this is what the Ravid asks against the Rambam reading from the reading from the Ravid where do we ever find where do we ever find how do we ever find that Tshuva is able to be Masalik the Din Biyadei Adam, that Bezdin has already passed on them, Achi of Misa? It's a fascinating thing. The Rambam, his, in a sense, the Rambam's created a new halacha out of thin ice, in, out of thin air, sorry, thin ice, out of thin air. Unless the Rambam has a Makar, unless the Rambam has a source that we're not privy to. And this is the idea of the Rambam says something beautiful. The Rambam says like this, in the name of his father, that if you look at the Pasuk, if you actually read the Pasuk, I don't have it with me right now, I was a little bit, uh, my wife came out very quickly, I didn't realize, but I didn't get a chance to bring a chumash. But basically like this, the Pasuk says, you know, I'm going to try to do it properly. Let me find, maybe I have a chumash in my, okay, we'll just wait one second, and we'll take a look. Ah, I found one, Baruch Hashem. Here, one second. Let me do it properly. Let me do it properly. I'm going to quote Hashem, I might as well quote, quote him properly. Yud Gimel, Tesvav. Yud Gimel Tesvav. V'darashta. Okay, so I'm now reading from the pasuk. Yeah, v'darashta v'chakarta v'shealta. So when Bezdin comes and looks into v'darashta v'chakarta, they look and investigate whether the city actually is requiring a punishment as being classified as yonidacha. V'shealta hitiv. You looked good into the situation. You investigated properly. V'hinei emet nachon adavar. And it comes out that it's true that they actually were doing avrazar. Nasata hatoeva hazot bekerbecha. Hake take. You shall hit this city. You shall you shall punish this city. At Yoshve Ha'ir Ha'i, this city, Lefi Charev, with the with the sword, and all their property shall be destroyed. The pasuk says that they shall be punished at Yoshve Ha'ir Ha'i, this this particular city. So the pasuk said, could have just said you shall hit the city. Why does it say Ha'ir Ha'i, this particular city? So says the Rabbag in the name of his father. An amazing idea, amazing idea, mind blowing. He says because when the Ir Hanidachat. They did Teshuvah, when they actually did Teshuvah, it's not the same city anymore. It's not the same city anymore. Ha'ir ha'hi. That particular city that did their Avira was a different city. Once they did Teshuvah, they become a new entity. That's Teshuvah. That's Teshuvah. Teshuvah is that, that process, that transformative process, where you're not the same person anymore. You've undergone a tremendous change internally. Sometimes it's expressed externally. We'll talk about that in a second. But internally, it's a different person. It's not the same city anymore. Now, it's true, a person who did an Avera for Shabbat, when you, and, and Bezin is about, to, is about to now give him Malkus, or they're about to, get, or they're about to give him Misa. Ah, he didn't need to do Tshuva itself? You're right. This is purely a Chidush. This is what the Rabbag says. It's only a Chidush when it comes to Irani Dachat. In the Yerani Dachat, it's impossible. And I think this really goes back to what we were saying when we started with initially. It's impossible to say that it's a pintalia that a Jew doesn't feel that sense, that if given the opportunity to actually do Teshuvah, that they wouldn't, they wouldn't for a minute 
pull back and say, that's not me. That's not us. We will never do that. That's Ha'ir Ha'hi. That city is not the same city anymore. Qualitatively, it's an entirely new entity that's in front of us now. So that says the Rabbah. It's beautiful. That's such a Yisod and Tshuva. Yisod of Tshuva is, is that it changes you in the deepest levels, the deepest fiber of who we are. It's a whole process that changes us, who we want to be. That's a fascinating thing. Now, someone will tell me, but Rehaba, that's so nice, it's so beautiful. But how can you do that? Number one, how do you do it so easily? How do you do it so quickly? And I mean, is it possible that a person can do tshuva in such a small moment? And the Alter of Nevardik, my, my favorite, absolutely, I keep it by my, on my desk at all times. Unfortunately, I wish I had a chubish on my desk most of the time. But that's what I did. But the Alter of Nevardik, the Sefer Madrigas HaAdam. Madrigas HaAdam is, is specific, um, specifically Nevardik or Moser, which it, it has a bad rap colloquially. That's very negative. It's very done. On the, on the negative side, I disagree. When a person has a true definition or a true, I guess, realization and understanding of who they are, and sometimes that can be rough and sometimes that can be a little bit difficult, it's like getting a diagnosis from a doctor. But at least you know where you are. Now the question is, how far can you go? When a person has a true understanding of where they really are in life, when they have that, yeah, and it's, it can be tough sometimes, but it can also be freeing. I think Lahavzio, one of the founders of America, I think maybe perhaps it was, it was Thomas Jefferson, he said, the truth will set you free, but it'll make you sick at first. And that's the sense. I mean, it's hard, it's difficult, it's negative, but it's for the positive. So the author of Nevardik said this in relation to what we're talking about here, that we find very often people will, you know, they'll be very cynical when they see somebody, what the term is that we call it today, flip out. Now it's true, it's true. Sometimes it's unhealthy growth that a person does this to that so quickly. When you go, when you flip back and forth so fast, it, 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 it's not the healthiest thing in the entire world. That's true. But from our perspective... From the outside perspective, we have to give you have to give other people the opportunity and the ability to at least trust the growth. When the person does make that change, too often we're so negative. We say, "Ah, it's not real. How could it possibly? It's only externally. It's not internally." Again, maybe that's true, but it's not our place to to judge that. It's not our place to judge that. But the truth is, it is possible that a person could really get to a level where, yeah, the change is real. For, for every story that we hear where people, unfortunately, flip one way and flip back the other way, there's many, many stories of people that actually, yeah, on one moment, I, I like to tell over that my father-in-law, he, he smoked for like, it must have been 30 years, and he stopped cold turkey. And we asked him, why do you stop cold turkey? He said, because I started to feel the desire to smoke on Shabbat, to smoke on Shabbos. And said, when I felt that, I stopped cold turkey. It's a very special thing. Is that fake? Is that, is that external? Is that not real? Is that unhealthy? No. It's an expression of a real thing internally that is being expressed externally. That's the idea. Meaning as much, so, it, it, so what to us looks like a quick change could have been bubbling under the surface for many, many years. For all we know. There are many times people will say, oh, the, a guy goes a long beard and a long pace. You know, uh, there's a famous family members of somebody who I absolutely love very dearly, who uh, almost is like a brother of mine. Who, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's an expression of the internal he was already internally feeling that way. It was now being expressed externally. It's not a new, fast change. And I think that's what ultimately we have to, as much as we need to view other people that way, we need to more often than not view ourselves in that mode as well. That we need to look at ourselves internally and say, as much as I may think somebody, other people are real or not real, it's much worse when we don't even believe our own change. When we don't allow ourselves the ability to, to surprise ourselves. We, we so often walk through life 
kind of already, we've stamped ourselves. Who we are, what we are, we're playing to be. Now, I primarily, I teach younger kids, right? I teach younger, not kids, I apologize. Future adults, I'll put it like that, right? In the sense that they're 18, 19, sometimes 17, 19, 20 years old. Now, the human brain is not fully developed in 20, until at least 24 to 26. I've seen different reports here and there, maybe I think 26. So it's a fascinating thing. If your brain is not fully developed, how could you think that you're fully developed? How could you have already decided, well, this I'm possible, this is possible for me, and this is impossible for me? Almost like we, at such young ages, we're forced to close doors of opportunity, of where my life can go, and what things I'm, what I feel I'm capable of doing and not capable of doing. Now, no one's to say that you don't have the ability to, to, to trust yourself and know who you are. Of course not. But leave yourself open that door to surprise yourself. To be able to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I can actually do something different. The person that I was yesterday doesn't have to be the person I am today. That's the idea of Va'ata Yisrael. We said this when we said this, the past week's parish in Parsha Sekev. Va'ata Yisrael. Now, Klaistro, live today. Live today. Notice who you are today. Live for today. So often people are so worried about tomorrow. What's going to happen if I do this? It's not going to work out. And oh, I can't believe I did that in the past. They're not living in the moment of today. Va'ata Yisrael. Having the ability to look at yourself in the mirror and say, this is, I am to, this is who I am today, but I can surprise myself that even today I can be something different. Change yourself. Changing yourself goes slowly. It's difficult. It, but it can happen even in a short period of time, either because it's working internally, or actually, no. Some people can be shocked in a moment. Okay? I know many stories. I know a particular one. There's a very special Rebbe of mine back in Silver Spring, by Rheingold. He tells the story of a, of a particular person who was in the Tel Yeshiva. And this person, I guess... He, he wasn't finding such success in his learning, and largely, lack of success in learning is not necessarily because there's nothing wrong with the person themselves. It's largely due to the fact that they don't have the confidence. But this person was sitting at the, was sitting at the lunch table. I think it was, it was the lunch table. He had washed for bread. And I, at one moment, everybody noticed. He like put his plate down and walked out very quickly and went straight to the base measures. And from that day forward, he was known as like the biggest, the biggest master of the yeshiva, the top, top person of the yeshiva. And they, and they asked him finally, what happened? Like, what happened that moment? He said, for whatever reason, I don't understand why, but at that very moment, I had such a tremendous emotional rush of, I can do it. I believe in myself. I can go and I can actually learn and steig. I didn't even stop the bench. And I knew if I stopped the bench, I would lose that feeling. I ran straight to the base manager. And that person now is one of the, one of the Gadole Rish Hayashivas in America today. It's a fascinating thing. That moment, that moment of... His palace of hit palut of having that emo- being open that your emotions are open to being inspired. That's something which is possible. That's something which is in reach of us, as long as we allow that door to be open and say, "Hey, I could be something different today." If it only can come from that original feeling that I can, that I'm able to change, that I'm able to trust my own change. More often than not, a lot, I hear a lot from a lot of students. They'll say. Okay, Rebbe, I'm, I'm growing on this, but how do I know I can maintain it? How do I know I can do it? Now, it's a fair question. I'm not saying it's not a fair question. It's a very fair question. It's very fair to ask, how am I going to maintain what I'm doing? No questions asked. However, though, you're already starting off with the assumption you're not You're already starting off with the assumption that you're not going to be able to be able to hold through. And that's already sad because, well, look at you. You're doing it. Take one step at a time, one day at a time. But you can do it. Allow yourself to surprise yourself. And the truth is, this idea of changing within one second, of having either that internal thing bubbling out to the surface and it looks like one moment, or having that one moment of actual emotional inspiration that really changes your life, it's a Gemara Kedushin. Now, 
we have to understand is believing Torah Jews. If something is, is expressed in halacha, it's not necessarily because it's not practical. Or it was, I'd say it's not, it doesn't mean it's, it doesn't mean it's um, 100% practical in the sense that some way Irni Dachas and Bensar Mor is not practical. But it does mean it's true in reality. In the sense that Chazal, when speaking about things, we, they're speaking towards the ability of the human mind to accomplish certain things. Now, let's, what, what do I mean by that? You'll understand better when I explain. The Gemara says in Kedushim, that a man comes to a woman. Now, I mean, you should go to a shadchan, a good shadchan like my wife, but let's just say this is the example, where a guy comes to a woman and says, um, I want to marry, marry me on the condition that I am a tzaddik gummer, that I'm purely righteous, that I'm a 100% righteous person. So, so what happens. The, the Gemara says, even though he's a really a rasha gummer, even though he's a totally wicked individual, horrible, terrible, no good, nothing, but she accepts the marriage, it actually works. It's mekudeshet. Because the Gemara says, why? The Gemara says, okay, again, why would she accept such a marriage? Not getting involved. But let's just say that she did that. So it works. It's chal, as in it actually has halachic ramifications. And if she wanted to get divorced, she would need to get. That's how much there's a connection over here. So the Gemara says, why? Why would it such a case where the guy's presenting, he's a Russia Gomor, but he's saying, marry me on the condition that I'm actually a Russia Gomor, that I'm actually a Tzadik Gomor, I'm sorry, that I'm actually a purely righteous individual. So why should it work? So the Gemara says, because Shema, Tshuva, because perhaps he thought about Tshuva, he thought about repenting in his mind. Let me just speed that out. That perhaps he was thinking about doing Tshuva, and because he thought about doing Tshuva, it works. So wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He said, marry me on the condition that I am a Tzadik Gavor. Not that I thought about it, that I, you know, I thought about it, it was a nice idea, but you know, ultimately I decided not to. What does it mean, Shema Mehar Tshuva believed that? He thought for, thoughts of Tshuva for a minute. This is the says the altar of That's the koach. That's the koach. That's the koach. That when a person actually has that feeling, that emotional bubbling up to the surface of saying, I actually do want to be a, a, good, a better person. That I actually want to do better. When you set yourself up in your mind of what your goal is, of who you want to be, then it's real. It's not fake. If a girl says, a boy says, I want to do teshuva, I want to do teshuva, I want to be a better person, I'm trying to grow. That's called hero tshuva. And that works according to halacha. That has power according to halacha. It's not something to be looked down on. It's a beautiful thing. In that one moment, now how long does it take to give over that ring? When the man says, how long does it take over? How, many, how long did that tshuva think, did he think about that tshuva? He sat and, and did a, a kavanas, he went into the forest and he started doing his buddies with Hashem? No. He did this. That's it. How long did that take? Two seconds tops. Two seconds tops. And those two seconds of tshuva belief makes you into a tzaddik gamur. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing because Hashem is bochen levavot. Hashem is bochen klayot. Hashem understands who we want to be, what we want to be. And when it's real, it's real in our minds. And that moment of change. Now, he'll ask you a question. But did the change manifest itself in, in, in externally? Possibly not. Possibly not. But the idea is, and this is the idea of tshuva that I want to discuss, that I want to like really make this the major point of the class, which is that it's a tshuva that gets your mind right. There's levels of tshuva. There's levels of tshuva, which is b'maisa. The rabbi says, for example, what's a real tshuva gemurah? When somebody's in the same exact situation, same exact place, with the same exact Sahara. And not because they're tired or because they're lazy and because they just don't want to get involved, but they have the same desire to do it and yet they hold back from doing it. That's called Chuvah Gemara, says the Rambam. Wait a minute. 
<laughs> I thought you're allowed to just think about tshuva believe, and therefore you're great. The idea is there's levels. There's levels. There's two types of tshuva. There's tshuva getting your mind right, making sure that you have the right direction of where you want to go in life, and getting things clear and defined and having goals of where, where you want to end up. And there's actually bringing it out and manifesting it. But those two things are so important that they shouldn't be put down one or the other. And just because you can't bring it out does not, in a sense, take away from the fact that you want to do the right thing. Okay? It's, it's, you know, it's popular to talk about this, but I'm trying to show you in halacha how it actually exists. How the halachic hashkafa is that, it's, that this is a real halachic tokef. It's true that you say, ah, I want to do tshuva, and then you go and do an avera. We know it. It's a smell. You get, the same way you, you know when the diaper is dirty. You know when somebody's not meaning it. Hashem knows the truth. And if you really do believe it, and, you really, and it's just hard to pull it out, it's hard to bring it out by poel. But you're trying. It's called tshuva believe. That tshuva believe Hashem is not going to throw away. Hashem is not going to say, ah, he doesn't really mean it. So if Hashem's not going to throw it away, you're going to throw it away. You're going to throw it away. I had a situation a while back where, I'm not going to go into too many details, but a girl called me up anonymously. And she discussed a very, very unfortunate, sad case where she... Sir And it was very scary. The whole thing was very, 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 very unfortunate. And she felt so guilty. She was so worn down with guilt by how she was feeling. And I could hear it in her voice. She was crying. Mom was crying her eyes down. She said, How do I know if Hashem accepts my, accepts my tshuva? How do I know if Hashem really is going to accept my tshuva? You know what I told her? This is, it's everything, Hashem put everything in my mouth. All the words came from Hashem. So like this. If I know that you're real, and I can feel and I can sense your empathy, Hashem al-achas is able to understand and to see the depth of your pain. We so often get stuck and, well, I don't know, maybe Hashem doesn't want... Hashem sees it. You're real. The very fact you're even asking the question means it's real. Give yourself that opportunity. Let yourself surprise yourself. Open that door to, to, of tshuva. Hashem hears the tshuva. And this is in a sense, it's hard. It's hard to do this. It's hard to get to that point, to really an emotional level, to really in, to get in touch. And how do you even get to this point? It comes from a clarity. Like we said before, having clear goals. If you don't have clarity as to where you want to be, who you want to be, and to really... And I always like to tell my students, take out a piece of paper and actually write out the world, the world and the life that you want five years from now. Well, I had a Rebbe that did even more extreme. He would ask us to write our hesped, our actual eulogy. It's a little bit more intense. But think about five years from now you want to be. Now, what about if you're, oh, you're already living a family life and you're already way down the line? So, so think about your out here. Then think about your hesped. Think about your eulogy. Who do you, what, do you, what do you want your main essence to be? Because why does it do it? Just to be, just to be dark? No. It's because it forces us to concretize and to crystallize who we want and what we want in our life. What do we, where do we want things to be manifested? How do we want things to actually be expressed the way that they should be expressed? It only can come from clarity. It can only come from really clearly, deeply saying, this is what I want. This is what I want in life. And when you have that clarity, when you have, and what forces you to get your mind right, that level of truth that we spoke about, then you can get to that emotional and you can manifest it more clearly. Then you can say, okay, fine, I can do this and I can do that and I can get better at this and I can take smaller steps and bigger steps towards that. But it can only come from a sense of clarity of what you actually want. If you don't, if you don't know what you want, you're right. You're going to be stuck. You're going to be looking around and saying, well, I, I don't know what to do. I had a student that one time called me and said, oh, Rabbi, I, I'm going to a very modern camp and I don't know how I'm going to keep uh, the halachas of, uh, of this and of, you know, of my relationship with boys and this. And I said to her, I said, I really don't think you should go to the camp. You should look into maybe not going to the camp. She didn't want to hear that. She didn't want to hear it. 
what happens? She calls me back later and says, Oh, Rabbi, I, I'm dealing with this. I'm struggling with that. I can't believe I'm falling with that and falling with that. And I, listen, you can't tell it to her. You have to, you have to treat them where they're holding at that point. But I wanted to say, listen, you're surprised that this is what you're dealing with? I, we knew already from before. Because she, had a, she didn't have clarity that, her, that if you believe this, it equals that. That if you need to do this, then you need to then set up for success for that. So often we go through life kind of just so vague and not really knowing what we're doing and professing ideas. And then, yeah, when we get back to actual situation, we never set up for actual success or we set ourselves up for, for the principle to actually be um, guarded. That, well, now we're, that we walk around shocked. How could it be? How could I have not have done it? Don't be shocked. There's, there is cause and effect on some level in this universe. So if you are going to put yourself in a situation of Nisayon, don't be surprised that you fell Nisayon. Don't put yourself in Nisayonis. Chathila, the best that you can. Now, this is really, in a sense, because we're going towards Elul. We're going through Elul. This is what the idea, in a sense, of what Rosh Hashanah is about. Now, this is what Rosh Hashanah is about. Why? Because, you know, the truth is, on Rosh Hashanah, we don't, say, we don't mention anything about Chathayim. We don't, we, don't, we don't talk about Chathayim. We don't do al Khait. There's a big question if I even cry on Rosh Hashanah, if I even cry Bechlau. It's a very interesting thing. Why is it the day, the most holy day, not the most, the holiest day, where we're being we're Hashem and being confronted with the divine of Hashem, of actually being, being faced with the fact that there's a God of the world who runs the entire universe, who has a plan for, and a, and a, and a, and a plan for our lives, and, that we, and he has a will that we should be carrying out, and we're falling short of that will. Why are we mentioning Chatayim? Why are we not mentioning Chait? It seemingly makes sense that this is the time to mention that we're falling short of everything. I mean, it makes sense on the day of the coronation. It, it kind of reminds you, hey, wait a minute. If I'm, if I'm, if this is my king. Why am I going against his will? And yet we don't talk about it. Why not? And the answer is, at least from my understanding, is that Rosh Hashanah is not the time to talk about the past. It's not the time to talk about everything you've done wrong. The, the Rosh Hashanah is the time to get your facts straight to get in touch back with reality, the true reality, the way it's actually manifested in real life. Real reality is, Melech Malchim Malchim HaKadosh Baruch That's it. It's all about that pure recognition. It's all about the Hakara Atzmit of saying, there's a God in the world. Yish Melech Malchim Malchim HaKadosh Baruch And I have to get in touch with that reality. And I have to relate myself to that reality. That's it. That's all it is. It's not about, okay, to what extent did you fall and did you not fall. That's not the point. The point is just a reminder, just as a remembrance, that if I have a God in this world, that if this God is as real as gravity is to me, that if, if, if this is something that I actually have to live by, then how am I going to set myself up and live that life according to that reality that I've now just recognized? The same way, and I always like to compare God to, God to gravity, the same way that I, there's so many parts of my life that are built around the basic accepted rule. There's gravity. I don't jump out of windows. Why not? Because it's gravity. I don't play basketball anymore. Because it's gravity. Right? I put on my seatbelt. Because it's gravity. I, I make my kids wear, 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 uh, wear helmets because gravity. We build our entire existence off of something that I cannot feel. I cannot. I only see the manifestations of gravity. Gravity is where I fall. You get hurt. I don't see gravity. I see the results that gravity cre- creates. That gravity creates an existence that if, that if a certain mass falls at a certain rate, then you're going to get hurt. So what does that mean? So therefore I have to put on a seatbelt. So it's a rule that I live by. So God is that. God is that rule. It's the creator of that rule itself. So if God is the creator of that universe, is the creator of that reality, then I have to live according to that existence. That's what we understand. We have to make my routes and his routes. I have to start wearing my spiritual helmet. I have to start wearing that spiritual helmet. 
So that's the idea of Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is that we have to get ourselves to that point. That there's Yesh Melech Malachim Lachim that created the entire world. And after I've come to that, clar- that clarity, we have to come to that realization, then I have the true Ratzon, the true desire to live according to Hashem's Ratzon. And this is the true Tachlis of Rosh Hashanah. Just simply to be makir, to recognize the Boreo Lam, to understand Hashem. Lahavin, to understand that the Mitzyut of Hashem is, He created existence. It's not about what you've done wrong. You can wait until Yom Kippur. You can wait until Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah is all about the idea that I understand there's a universe, I understand there's existence, I understand there's a God, I understand there's reality beyond my understanding. I'm getting in touch with that reality. That's Rosh Hashanah. Once we get to that realization, life becomes not easier. Life is not going to get any easier. But life is going to get more, more clear. I guess one could say once things become clearer, then it becomes easier. But clear, pain is not going to go away. Pain exists. Right? It's not going to get, get any, any less difficult to wake up in the morning. It's, going to get, it's not going to get any less difficult to make those tough decisions about kashrut, about sniyut, about whatever it is that you need to be making on a day-to-day basis. It's not going to get any easier. It's going to be the same Yitzhar. Maybe slowly, slowly different aspects of it will change. But it does make it a little bit more clarifying, more solidified. This is where my existence. I, I understand. You, I, I don't jump out of a plane. Right, hello. My brother just went on a, which went parachute. He just went uh, parachuting with my with uh, my sister in law. So okay, whatever. I don't go parachuting without a parachute. I don't go jumping out of a plane without a parachute. I also don't uh, break Shabbat. Same existence. Same rule. Same same ex- acceptance of my reality around me. It's not easy. It's very hard. But you have to give yourself that opening. Give yourself that hope and say, hey, you know what? I'm not. I can I can surprise myself. I can become somebody different. It can be even in a moment. I'm not going to be mazalzel. Those moments of inspiration change. What I often, what drives me crazy, okay? It drives me crazy. As I hear oftentimes people say, oh, I tried that, but I got burnt out. Or I tried that, I'm, I'm, or I'm scared to try something because I might get burnt out. Now, the whole concept of getting burnt out drives me nuts. It doesn't mean that I haven't had moments or haven't had times in my life where things are a little bit harder and things have been easier. I, I not, I'm not unaware of those concepts. What bothers me is the phraseology. And the Bible Trebi is very big into the phraseology of positive framing. For example, you didn't like calling a hospital Beit Cholim, you want to call it a Beit Refua, a home, a home or a place of healing, not a place of sickness. This is, it, it, going into a place of sickness, oh, it can only solidify that feeling of negativity. That's not good for a person to say. So same thing also for burning out. My Rebbe said that you know, when he was in Yeshiva in the 50s, they never used the word burning out. I mean, you needed a break. You take a break. No one's saying, the same emotions are still existing within that person, but the idea is, you take a break. Not, I'm burnt out. Burnt out means, there's nothing left. There's no fuel, there's no fire, there's no wick, there's nothing. It's empty, I'm an empty vessel. Is it ever healthy to call yourself an empty vessel? Is it ever healthy to start out from the beginning, like we mentioned before, and say, ah, I don't know, I'm going to be able to do it. Start off positive. Call that chalot kashot, for sure. Starting things hard is difficult, 100%. But you can do it. You can manage. You can strike. And you know what? For those few days that you did something, you know, this is something that, 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 I, that really people need to appreciate a little bit more. For those small few days that you actually were able to stand up to it and actually did do it, in Shemayim, it's going to be let in. It's going to be there for you. Okay, I didn't do it this time. I didn't do it that last one. You got what you gained out of it. Maybe you only needed to do it for those few days. Who knows if you're a Tikkun you're in the Shema needed that tikkun, that was enough for you for what you need. Hashem made sure to stop you because it's all you needed and you put it 
is unknown afterwards. You never know. We don't know what the Cheshbon and Shemayim are. With every little sh- appreciate it, but we have to allow that within ourselves. We have to allow that the ability to kind of just. Uh... I think it's uh it's a little bit late, so I'm going to call. Thank you so much. I'm really blessed, and uh, and it's been a tremendous pleasure. Thank you to Rabbi Cohen. Thank you, Rabbi Cohen, for uh, for creating this, for continuing this. Bezrat Hashem, it should only be lahagdil to laadira that many many people should find inspiration. You should find tremendous chizuk from these words. And B'zrat Hashem, you should go into Elo with the idea that I can. That's it. If there's anything else you're going to take from anything that's been said over the last few months, verse and, and, and specifically from this class, I can. Why can't you? Eh, try. The Hashem is waiting. Hashem wants it. All the best. Kol Tuv.